We read responsibly Psalm 136, the first nine verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. The Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday is from the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel." For he has glorified you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Christ, I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now, when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And Jesus said, well, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And then Jesus broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In his book, Living Life on Purpose, Greg Anderson shares the story of one man's plight. He tells the story of this man whose journey had no joy in it. For his wife had left him, 
His confidence in himself was the lowest it had ever been. And he'd even lost faith in people and was wavering in his faith in God. For he simply found no joy in living. But one rainy morning, this man went to a small neighborhood diner for breakfast. And although several people were at the restaurant, no one was speaking to the other person. It was very quiet. And our miserable friend hunched over the counter himself, stirring his cup of coffee with a spoon. In one of the small booths along the window was a mother with her daughter. They had just been served their food when the girl said to her mother, almost shouting out loud in that very silent restaurant, Mommy, why don't we say our prayers here? Well, the waitress who had just served them the food turned back to the little girl and said, well, you can pray here if you want. Will you say a prayer for us? And so the waitress then looked at the rest of the patrons in the restaurant, and she said to them all, bow your head for prayer. And surprisingly, one by one, everyone in the restaurant bowed their head for prayer. And then the girl, she bowed her head, she folded her hands, and she said, God is great, God is good. And we thank him for our food. Amen. That prayer changed the whole atmosphere in that diner. People began to talk with one another. And the waitress even commented, we should say a prayer every morning before we eat. All of a sudden, said our friend, my whole frame of mind changed and started to improve. From the little girl's example, I started to thank God for all that I did have and stopped majoring in all that I didn't have. I started to choose happiness. Now, I'm speaking to many, many people, both here in the sanctuary and online, and I'm sure that many of us, if not all of us, are experiencing the doldrums. And we could choose to wallow in them. We can moan and groan and complain. I could probably even begin my sermon by listing some of those things that are causing us to be depressed, gloomy. But then instead of singing these uplifting hymns, we might begin to sing the blues. No, this morning I'd rather focus on what God has given to us. I'd rather imitate the little girl and focus on God and the blessings that he gives us. So this morning let's focus our attention on this ancient hymn of faith that will lift our spirits, Psalm 136. And so, if you have your bulletin, I invite you to turn back in your bulletin and let's speak the first three verses of Psalm 136 again. I begin, and you get to say, His steadfast love endures forever. The first three verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for his steadfast love endures forever. This ancient hymn is a call to thoughtful, grateful worship for God's numerous gifts in our lives that he gives to us daily. Twenty-six times the phrase, his steadfast love, his mercy, his grace endures forever. It's repeated over and over. I think the psalmist is trying to teach us something, don't you? His steadfast love, his his mercy, his grace, 
It's translated in different ways. The Hebrew word is translated in different ways in our English translations. But it all speaks to his undeserved favor, his loyal love, his covenant love with you and me, his mercy upon all of us. The phrase can literally be translated, for unto eternity is his mercy. Unto eternity is his mercy. God's mercy is ever the same. It never changes. It's never exhausted. It is found in all of his dealings with creation, and it ever will be. Before he created the heavens and the earth, to the very end, into eternity itself. The psalmist in Psalm 136 reminds us that God is the God of, is, is God of gods and Lord of lords. There's no power in heaven or on earth or under the earth that is greater than our God. I mean, Satan bows at, his, at God's command. And the leaders of this world, oh, like the queens and the presidents and the prime ministers and the dictators, oh, they think they're in control, but they too are subject to his authority. Blended into our Lord's character is eternal mercy and infinite power. And God's power, apart from his mercy, would be scary indeed and would make us cause to, to dread him. But his power is saturated with mercy, his steadfast love. And because his power and mercy are intermingled together, God carries out his purposes and he lays the foundation for why it is we can say, give thanks to the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. I mean, let me illustrate what I mean by looking at Deuteronomy 10. You see, verses 2 and 3 of our text from Psalm 136 actually echo Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, where we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. And then Moses continues in Deuteronomy. He says, He is the mighty and awesome God. speaks of God's power, His infinite power, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. But now listen to God's mercy and how it's intermingled with His power. But... But he says, but he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders that you saw in your own eyes. Your ancestors went down into Egypt, were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made them as numerous as the stars of the sky. See, we see this Lord of lords and God of God. He's... We see his power, his infinite power, but how he uses that infinite power for the good of his people, how he provides for those who are in need, how he provides for the well-being of his chosen ones. The God for whom we give thanks and the God to whom we give thanks is the creator of heaven and earth, says the psalmist. Creation itself is an act of God's steadfast love of his mercy. This past Tuesday, I was able to be outside the city limits during the evening, and I was able to gaze up into the sky. And for once, the city lights weren't, you know, blinding me from what was there. And I was able to gaze into the heavens, and and I just marveled at the creative genius of the Lord. Stars and planets twinkled in in the moonlight sky. I was able to see the Big Dipper, which I hadn't seen for quite a number of months It's just plain to see, and it it still fills me with wonder and awe. The same wonder and awe I had as a child when I looked into the sky. And I thought of how the machinery 
of the universe upon which our very existence depends operates like clockwork under the guidance and the power of our almighty and merciful God. That's why the psalmist says in verse 36 of Psalm 136, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Astronaut John Glenn, after viewing the earth from outer space, observed, looking at the earth from this vantage point and not to believe in God to me is impossible. To see the earth laid out like that only strengthens my beliefs. In an article entitled, Astronauts Found God in Space, Paul Schratz writes, It seems that while returning from the historic first landing on the moon 50 years ago, astronaut Buzz Aldrin took part in a TV broadcast the night before splashing down. And during the broadcast, the second man to set foot on the moon's surface read Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? It turns out that Aldrin's religious faith is not an anomaly. In fact, the 29 astronauts who visited the moon during the Apollo program were a generally religious cohort. According to NASA, 23 were Protestant and 6 Catholic, with a high proportion of them serving as church leaders in their congregations. As astronauts Frank Borman and Jim Lovell and William Anders entered into lunar orbit on December 24, 1968, they did a live TV broadcast showing pictures of the Earth and the moon as seen from their spacecraft. And they ended the broadcast with Anders saying, For all the people on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message we'd like to send to you. They then took turns reading from the book of Genesis, beginning with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the Earth, and concluding with, and God saw that it was good. Borman then closed, Good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless you all, all of you on the good earth. It really isn't surprising, is it, that so many astronauts who have gone into the, into the sky, who have walked on the moon, who have seen the earth in ways that we've never seen it, marvel. They marvel at God's creation, for they see his handiwork in it. One Bible scholar writes, The heavens above and the earth beneath declare the wisdom, and I might add, declare the steadfast love and mercy of our great Maker, and proclaim aloud to an intelligent ear the divinity of the hand that formed them. The heavens display the love of God to man, and the earth teaches the duty of man to God. And so this morning, we join our voices with the saints of ages past who chanted in this ancient hymn, Give thanks to him who by his understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever the moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. Yes, his steadfast love endures forever. Like the psalmist, we give thanks to God, not only for his infinite power and his eternal mercy that created the heavens and the earth on which we reside and from which we derive countless blessings like the air we breathe and the food we eat and the people we love, 
but we worship him. We worship him with grateful hearts because he is also the God of our salvation. In verses 10 through 22, which isn't part of our reading today, but which is worth reading, the psalmist thanks the God of gods and the Lord of lords for rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He thanks God for sustaining them while they wandered in the wilderness, and he thanks God for striking down the pagan kings who opposed them. The psalmist states in verse 23 and 24, it is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever, and who rescued us from our folds, for his steadfast love endures forever. Yes, our merciful Lord, he remembers us in our lowest state. He sees us in our sin, and he sees that we have no ability in and of ourselves to overcome it. He sees us overwhelmed by our foes, knowing that we do not have the strength or the power to overcome the devil and death itself. And so the God of God and the Lord of Lords, who not only creates us, but who redeems us, who rescues us from our sin and the death and the devil, he intervenes. And so I've composed a variant version of Psalm 136, focusing on how our powerful and merciful God rescues you and me. And I'll speak again my part, and I invite you to respond with his steadfast love endures forever. Remember, say that again with me. His steadfast love endures forever. So listen to this and participate as you will. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. For the virgin's womb is the dwelling of our Lord Most High. His steadfast love endures forever. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. And he'll be named Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. His steadfast love endures forever. He opens the eyes of the blind and the deaf. His steadfast love endures forever. He brings the dead back to life. His steadfast love endures forever. He calms the turbulent seas and feeds the hungry. His steadfast love endures forever. He is merciful to the outcast and dines with sinners. His steadfast love endures forever. By his sufferings and toil and life, his steadfast love endures forever. By his agony and bloody sweat on Calvary, his steadfast love endures forever. He suffers for the unworthy. His steadfast love endures forever. He dies for the unjust. His steadfast love endures forever. By his stripes we are healed. His steadfast love endures forever. He rises in victory. His steadfast love endures forever. Satan's head is crushed. His steadfast love endures forever. Death is vanquished once and for all. His steadfast love endures forever. He ascends in triumph. His steadfast love endures forever. And he rules from heaven and earth. His steadfast love endures forever. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. And he will return in glory. His steadfast love endures forever. And he will receive us in glory. His steadfast love endures forever. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His steadfast love endures forever.
Yes, His steadfast love, His mercy, His undeserved grace endures forever. For unto eternity is His mercy towards you and me. Jeff Bridges, author of The Discipline of Grace, writes, Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. In troubled times, and these are troubled times, God's steadfast love, His mercy, His undeserved grace gives us reason to rejoice and to give thanks because of His steadfast love forever. Yes, we are all dealing with all kinds of problems in our life as a nation, as a congregation, with the change that we've had to experience through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're all struggling with different emotions and feelings. And all the other problems that we've had in life before COVID-19 are still ever-present among us. And yet, even in the midst of those struggles, those trials and tribulations, we can still offer up with grateful hearts Praise to the God of God and the Lord of Lords. And why? Because His mercy for you and me endures forever. Ponder these truths. We are children of the Lord. He is the one who has made us to be the people that we are. He's our personal creator. But not only are we children of God, molded and shaped by His loving hands, but we're the beloved for whom Christ died so that we might be able to spend eternity with our Lord. He is the one who rose again, tasting death for us so that in Him we might have victory over the grave. And our baptism, when we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is God's guarantee, His promise to you and me that His mercy endures forever for you and me. As we come to the Lord's table, even as some of us will this morning, we partake of the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, that very body and blood that was given and shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And we hear our Lord's assure us that our sins are forgiven, that nothing separates us from the eternal love and mercy of our God. And it's these truths that give us hope and that give us reason to live in these troubling times. And the reason why we can truly offer up hymns of grateful praise. In the cartoon, Calvin and Hobbes, Calvin says to Hobbes, the problem with people is that they don't look at the big picture. Eventually, we're all going to die. Our species will go extinct, and the sun will explode, and the universe will collapse. And then Calvin continues, existence is not only temporary, it's pointless. We're all doomed, and worse, nothing really matters. To which then Hobbes responds, well, I see why people don't want to look at the big picture. And Calvin says, well, it does put a bad day in perspective. Sadly, a growing majority of people have adopted Calvin's cynical view of the world, of life itself. Is it any wonder that cynicism is 
growing like a virus, more contagious than COVID-19 itself. And it's spreading throughout our society. It's getting into our hearts, into our minds, and we're cynical about everything. We don't trust anything that people say anymore. We look at people with question marks. And the cynicism is literally choking the life out of many people and maybe even ourselves. It's choking the life out of our communities and even our nation. And there's such a pessimism, like Calvin expresses, a pessimism about life. And it's just fomenting into lawlessness. People doing their own thing, living their own way, no matter what it means sometimes in relationship to other people and their well-being. And unfortunately, this cynicism and this pessimism breeds hopelessness. And this hopelessness is literally choking out people's will to live. If that's you, then listen to the words and take to heart the words of Psalm 136. For the God of gods and the Lord of lords, he gives us reason to worship and praise him, to, to know that we live in his love and forgiveness and to have hope for today and tomorrow and for all eternity. For, you see, we are reminded in this psalm that God has a never-ending mercy for you and for me. We are the recipients of his loyal, loving kindness, of his grace, of his mercy, and he'll never stop finding ways to bless us even in the midst of trials and tribulations. In fact, he might even use those trial and tribulations to bless us. You see, you see, from the first beginnings of creation to the very last hour of human existence, we have evidence of God's goodness. We have evidence of God's mercy. His mercy has endured from generation to generation, and it'll continue to continue on until the day our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And then even, in the, even as we stand in the glories of heaven, we'll still be the recipients of God's mercy, the recipients of his loving kindness that never ends. And so this morning, I invite all of you, whoever you are, to say with me, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy love endures forever. Say the whole verse with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.